0: The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Welcome to the Views Room. I'm Rob Cox, the editor of Breaking Views, the financial commentary arm of Reuters News, coming to you from Zurich, Switzerland. Well, this week, I'm handing over the podcast fully to my colleagues down under. They'll walk us through the $29 billion deal that Square chief executive Jack Dorsey struck this week for Afterpay and how the combined firm could pose a bigger challenge to entrenched traditional banks and payments companies. Over to you guys. In a booming year of uh, M&A, we've just had a colossal transaction for Australia, the biggest ever really, with Square buying Afterpay. I'm Jeff Goldfarb here in Melbourne with my colleague Anthony Curry. Anthony, this deal really all kinds of interesting facets, both from the seller side, uh, afterpay, a- and from Square. When we start with with afterpay and the this this product that they've just kind of really been a pioneer in uh, in the modern
1: era. Yeah, it's an amazing story, really, isn't it? So this company is about I think sort of seven years old. It went public in 2016 on the Australian Stock Exchange and it it basically does installment payments, you know higher purchase the kind of things that our parents used to talk about all those years ago, but it you know all, all that then got replaced by credit cards, but it does it in a different way. It doesn't really charge anything at least not to us, the borrowers uh, It's all done mostly via by, by charging the merchants. And it basically does things like, you know, let's say, for example, you make a payment and you'll pay back in four installments over, say, a a month or two months. So the credit risk is meant to be lower. Afterpay doesn't take too much credit risk on, although there's arguments about how much uh, out there in the market. And it's become... Very quickly, the darling of the Australian fintech market. In fact, the Australian market, in many respects, it's gone up 12 fold, or actually by its peak, I think it's gone up 12 fold or more from the depths of the pandemic in March last year. Uh, An amazing ride, and it's been sold for for 29 billion US dollars, so almost 40 billion Aussie dollars all told. So it's, uh, as you said, it marks the the biggest deal in Australian history.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those companies that has. Constantly, there have been skeptics about it because it's product that sort of skirts regulation in the sense that it's not really considered a loan or credit, which means it's it's regulated differently. But it, at the same time, it's been hugely popular um, with younger people, particularly through the pandemic. The growth has been extraordinary. It's the valuation that's been a question. From From Square's perspective, though, they're being a little bit offensive, really trying to go after the big banks, which has been... Sort of the the big question mark for a lot of the fintech stars, can they really challenge the big banks? This deal sort of gets them a little bit of momentum in
1: that, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Square's probably best known for the ability to do your transactions out at a market, a farmer's market or something, as well as you know regular businesses as well. But it's sort of made it much easier for small businesses, even one-person businesses out on the street to take a credit card payment or a debit card payment. It's expanded beyond that. Of course, it's got into lending a bit. Uh, it's got heavily into cryptocurrencies as well in the past year or so. But yeah, I mean, it's now a $120 billion company, which makes it bigger than a a lot of the U.S. banks that it's smaller than in some respects from customer point of view or from a, a turnover point of view. But what it didn't really have was this buy now, pay later product, which actually it's bigger rival PayPal in the US already has and had turned on, I think, in Australia just last month, right, with 9 million customers here that it could then offer the, the Buy Now Pay Later product to, which actually that and Apple coming in or allegedly coming in with some ideas for Buy Now Pay Later products over the past couple of months actually depressed Afterpay stock by about Forty percent. So in some respects, Squares seen an opportunity here and thought, well, this is a product we probably need to be in. We need it so we can compete with PayPal. We need it so that we can more ably compete with the banks. Because you know, we're offering a different style of credit product that the banks probably are very wary of doing. Uh, simply because you know it's going to eat into eventually eat into their credit card margins. You would think, although some of the banks like Commonwealth Bank of Australia down here uh, has uh, started its its own product, uh, and I believe uh, City is going to start one here as well. Although City's selling its retail business here, but that's another story.
0: Yeah, no, I mean I think it's interesting in the sense that, as you say, Square really started with you know a little device you plug into your phone or your iPad makes it easier for small businesses to accept credit cards and debit cards, but what's really exploded for them is their payments app. And what's fascinating to me is, you know, sitting out here in the Asia Pacific region, as you and I do, you hear a lot about super apps, right? Like, especially in the financial technology space, it's putting all of these things together, one stop shop. You don't hear as much of that in the United States It hasn't developed because of the legacy systems that are in place that are owned by the credit card companies and the banks. Square now seems to be, if you put together payments, crypto, they bought an online sh- music service from Jay-Z, and now, now Afterpay, you, you may actually have something, you know, if you can make it work, obviously there's a big if, like putting all that together, you know, how big a threat do you really think they can be in the, in the general financial kind of uh, competitive space?
1: it's interesting when you when you say threat it's like the idea is always that you know these fintech players will come along and disrupt and get rid of the banks in many respects that's certainly how some of the players uh, in fintech think about it in fact one of them max levchin who set up a firm which is a rival to afterpay has been saying that for years and yet you know a firm went public this year shot up in value and and then along with afterpay and and a couple of others dropped in value, in fact it dropped far more in value than it was about sixty percent or so before after Pay's deal was announced. So it is difficult to be competitive and replace the banks. You're right though, this positions Square to be much more of a challenger. How much of a threat it is, I don't know yet. I think we've got a way to go. Same with PayPal. PayPal is in some respects more advanced than some of the products it's offering, you know, with Venmo and other things than Square has been. But both of them are in a position certainly to be far bigger players. The question is how much more regulatory risk they want to take on board and how much regulatory capital they want to set aside, which may crimp their earnings over time, although they're both growing pretty fast. So I think that's, that's the big question for how much of a bank do you want to be? And also how much of a bank do people like us and more importantly, uh, the younger generation really want to have in the future compared to what a Square or a an Afterpay or a company like PayPal can offer?
0: Yeah, and one of the interesting pieces of this uh, from the corporate finance perspective, I guess, is that uh, you mentioned Afterpay, obviously a darling in the Australian market uh, for a big cap company, incredibly volatile. You'd see massive swings. What they did though was they sold at a big, you know, a typical M&A premium, 30% premium. It's all stock. So uh, shareholders of Afterpay will be nearly uh, one-fifth owners of the combined company of, of Square. But even with the premium, it's down from their peak. And part of that, you mentioned PayPal, Apple also rumored to get into this. Mm. Talk a little bit about Can you tell us like why did they sell it or why do you think they sold it at, at effectively a discount to their peak, which was not that long ago?
1: Yeah, they're selling about 20% below their peak back in February. And actually, the stock was higher than the price offered by Square just about a month ago. I, I think there are a few things going on. I think the stock probably did get way ahead of itself. I don't think Afterpay would ever want to admit that, although this sale kind of sort of does admit it, uh, I suppose. I I think there is just a, a looking at the market, you think there's only so far we can go on our own. We're sort of hitting the limits of our growth, although they were growing really well still, but within a certain base of customers, they were growing really fast in the US. But with Square, they get 70 million more customers they can push their products through. And yes, they were growing faster than Square. They had a higher multiple than Square. So I think Shortish term, there may well be a drag on stock price appreciation for afterpay shareholders once part of Square. But longer term, you've got to think it's one of those rare times where you can talk about revenue synergies between two merging companies without chuckling or knowing that you're talking a lot of rubbish. These guys probably could get a lot of revenue synergies from putting the two types of businesses together.
0: We've talked about this a little bit as if it's a done deal, and it is an agreed deal. The two boards yep. have agreed to do it and they're moving forward. When we see these kinds of big transactions, it tends to lead to copycat deals. And, of course, you mentioned a the firm. There's also Klarna, which is still a private, yep. I believe, backed by the great Snoop Dogg, and, uh, who's an investor. Is, well, a two, I guess a two-part question. One is, could somebody jump this deal? Is there anyone else out there that might want to jump in and and offer more than what Square is offering? And or are we going to see a buyer maybe for a different uh, competitor of
1: Afterpay. Yeah, the one company that could step in if it wanted to is PayPal, but they have a product that uh, seems to rival Afterpay. So they don't managed to switch it on really easily. So why would you come in and spend lots of money if you've done it yourself? I think it's still it's early days for them with their product. Maybe they they think let's just go after one that that is much more established. You'd like to think that one of the big banks would go for it, but. That's a massive multiple to pay for a huge disruptor, potential disruptor of your business. And you know, I, I don't. You, we always hear that you know maybe Jamie Dimon wants to do another big deal before he retires in five years' time, which of course he says every year that he's going to retire in five years' time. But it's a big deal for not just on price, but a big deal conceptually for a traditional bank to swallow. Maybe though, a J.P. Morgan or a Commonwealth Bank down here, or you know, one of the European players, would be interested in say buying. Zip, which is a rival down here, which is worth I don't know three or four billion Aussie dollars. So far smaller, and if it doesn't work, it's not such a problem. For Klan and the likes of those, I don't know Clarna is what fifty billion dollars. Was that the valuation we saw most it's recently? Pretty, yeah, I
0: forget. It's a pretty big one, though.
1: Yeah, that again is really huge, and. Uh, I know. At the moment, it feels like fintech. It's much easier for a big fintech to buy a big fintech than it is for um, a traditional bank to do it. But who knows? Maybe one of them could take the leap and, and try and say, look, we are converting. We need to make sure that that our business stays current over the next 20 years. And credit cards, is, as juicy as those fees are, isn't going to be it in 10 years' time, perhaps. And we need to have a backup.
0: All right. Well, we will leave it there. There'll be plenty more to talk about uh, in this space. Thanks a lot, Anthony.
1: Sure, thanks, Jeff.
0: That's our show for the week. Thanks to our producers, Sharon Lamb and Katrina Hamlin in Hong Kong. And to you, dear listener, for tuning in. Subscribe to The Views Room and our sister podcast exchange on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you go to get your podcast fixes. And check us out every day at BreakingViews.com. Thank you. Bye-bye.